This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast with NFL insiders Brian Baldinger and Jason LaConfora, an Odyssey Sports original. Welcome to Baldy's Breakdowns. As always, we thank our friends at Odyssey for allowing us to do this and talk NFL football as frequently as as we do, we are going around the league division by division, and we are on the AFC North, um, a black and blue division, uh, one that provided a lot of thrills and surprises a year ago, and now has the Cincinnati Bengals sitting atop the perch. I am Jason Lockenfora. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Lockenfora. I get to talk ball here with my man Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL. You guys know him. You love him. His video breakdowns on Twitter are the best, and we provide that in audio form for you here. This time around, again, previewing the AFC North. Baldy, there there just may be a new bully on the block and, and one that isn't positioned to go anywhere for quite some time when you look at roster construction, when you look at them vis-a-vis the cap, when you look at how many of these young assets are going to be young and cheap for at least a few more years to come. Um, the, the, the Bengals have one of those very rich windows here, uh, in, in which case they, they may be able to take advantage of the way this league works when it comes to how contracts are structured and what cheap labor looks like. Well, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are basically the darlings of the NFL right now. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. The quarterback is absolutely sensational. Um, there's nothing he can't do. And he just has this uh, this fiber about him where you have to watch and you know that they're all listening. And he just has this unique ability to, to, to rally people. I love the way this team is constructed. I told that, uh, you know, to the coach, Zach Taylor, uh, in training camp last year. They've really built a good locker room. Duke Tobin has done a great job. Yes. They've struck gold in free agency last year, getting Trey Hendrickson, you know, getting Mike Hilton, getting Cheeto. I mean, they, they really struck gold. Um, it's they've, they bolstered the offense line. We'll see if Lyle Collins and Alex Kappa and Ted Karras, you know, can hold off mm-hmm. some good young players that they have drafted uh, and to get the best five in front of Joe Burrow, but the talent around Joe Burrow, the receiving core, the tight ends, uh, Joe Mixon, Samaje, like the it is Chris Evans. It is a fun group, and they can score in bunches. Uh, and it doesn't seem like anything really can stop Amazing. this team right yeah. now. Yeah, defensively, well, they're very well constructed. They're very competitive. They've got a great young defensive coordinator and Lou Anarumo. Yes. Uh, did a lot of things in that AFC championship game in Kansas city in the second half to really slow the, the chiefs down, completely shut them down. And uh, the chiefs didn't recover and they moved on and they were one drive away and some questionable calls at the end of the game to winning a Super Bowl. And at this time last year, if we were doing this around <laughs> the league, we probably had the Bengals buried in the cellar in the well, AFC North. And the quarterback was still on crutches basically at this time of year ago, or, you know, more or less. Yep. No doubt. So it's amazing. No, it, it, it's amazing. And and one of the things 
like you, 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 this time of year, you're looking at rosters, right? And you're looking at the transactions and additions and subtractions and what they drafted and who they lost in free agency and all that. Baldy, usually when a team does what they did, the whole league notices, and especially when you already have a head coach who's from the McVay family tree, which we know has been picked apart by other owners looking for their version of that. The fact that they're able to keep Brian Callahan, the fact that they're able to keep Lou Anarumo and get better, at least on paper, mm-hmm. and have that Super Bowl loss to motivate the team. I feel like those are huge aspects of this story, and those are reasons why I don't think they're the team of regression, or I, I don't think last year was necessarily fluky. I just think they're an ascendant team that's built to make some hay for years to come. I agree. And, you know, last year, 2021, the draft, I mean, they were sitting there, and Jamar Chase was there. And an offensive lineman was there. And they went with Jamar Chase. A lot of yeah. people scratched their head. Hey, Joe Burrow, you know, is a franchise quarterback. Protect the franchise. Well, they made the right move. They got themselves an elite star player. And I, I can't even imagine what Jamar Chase is going to be like in his second year in this league. Because you saw what he did to the Ravens last year. Oof. We saw what he just did to certain teams in this league. And he made everybody else look slow. Look like, I mean, there's nothing he couldn't do to any secondary in this league. And you add, you know, T. Higgins and a Tyler Boyd to that group and what they can do and what they do do. uh, It is as good a receiving core as there is in this league. And, uh, you know, there's days when I I go, do they really need to be an empty set all the time? (laughs) But you give Joe Burrow and his ability to go through progressions like a Ginsu knife. Um, that's, you know, he's going to take hits and he was sacked the most amount of, you know, any quarterback in the league and all that is true, but he also, you know, carved up a lot of defenses. They put up 82 points in two wins against the Ravens last year. Um, now the Ravens, you know, were, were decimated by injury and all that, but they, you know, they, they, um, they ascended quickly yeah. and they did it through the draft and through really smart free agency and they're built you know, for the long haul. Like, I, I don't see them going backwards this year. I think yeah. there's yeah. – from what we saw at the end of that Super Bowl, I think they're still ascending right now. And yes. I think in that division, and we'll get to the other teams, uh, I, I, I think their roster is better right now and more explosive in the in the ways that you have to be. And and we, we should – we shouldn't leave out their drafting of Evan McPherson. We don't talk a lot about kickers, but he yeah. was – Oh, he, he was sensational. Yes. Absolutely sensational. Kickoffs, field goals, clutch yes. field goals. Difference maker. Yes. I mean, he was a difference maker at kicker. He was a blue and chip player. He was a blue chip blue player at the kicker position. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Evans a minute ago. I'm super intrigued by him. Mm-hmm. I love what I saw him in training camp. He had a mm-hmm. sort of a star crossed rookie season, wasn't able to stay on the field as much as I think anybody would have liked, but you mentioned how much they're an empty set and how how they kind of get different matchups because they spread the other defense so thin. I feel like he's going to be a, a, a bigger piece of that passing game, and he's going to take more of a load off of Joe Mixon to where Mixon doesn't have to be a three-down back as much. Like, I'm intrigued by that kid, and I feel like mm-hmm. there's something they can unlock in him that's going to force you to defend them horizontally maybe even more than you have in the past. Well, he's really different than both Samaje. Samaje is a big, powerful back. 
Yeah. Uh, we saw the screen catch, you know, against the Chiefs to get him back in the game for a touchdown. And Joe Mixon is is an elite player, period. Um, they both have size. But Evans is a smaller, quicker guy. Um, you know, he was a six-round pick out of Michigan last year. And I saw him in preseason, and they were really high on him. It was just a question of, like, how could they get him carries and could they always get him active and those kind of things. But he provides not just depth, but he provides kind of a different way of uh, running the ball and receiving because he's good, good in the screen game as well. So I do think there's a role for Chris Evans on this team going forward and probably a bigger role than what he showed last year. They did have um, – they had an injury to a player – that I saw in training camp, who was our third-round pick last year, Joseph Asai, out of Texas. And the game that I saw him in preseason, he was a dominant player. Now, he, he got hurt in the final preseason game, didn't play last year, was injured reserve. But, you know, when you look at Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson and what they do off the edge, this Joseph Asai is going to get into that pass rush mix where you might see Hubbard rushing inside right, and Asai outside. Like, you're going to hear about him this year, I believe. I, I, I think he's got a real future in this league and rushed to the passer. And so um, they couldn't have plucked a better player to be their slot corner than Mike Hilton yeah. last year. He was everything. Yes. But we saw him in Pittsburgh that, and he became a real leader on that team uh, and a really good player. And so, you know, they, they went to the draft and they said, okay, this Dax Hill in, in Michigan and love like that pick. he was, uh, you know, he, he, he's just one of those, uh, hybrid players, Jason, that you really, he could play your dime linebacker. You play your slot. He can play safety. Like he can line up in a lot of places and you need those kind of flexible pieces. Um, the, the, the safety position is in great hands yes, with yeah. Von Bell and, and Jesse Bates. It, they're, they're very, very good players. Yeah. But this, this Dax Hill is going to, he'll get on the field. He'll be on the field. Oh yeah. yeah. So and that's also I, insurance I'm, I'm, for Bates, I, I, right? If they don't want to pay a safety because they know we got to start paying the quarterback and the wide receiver and all these other guys, and Bates moves on, you 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 know what I mean? You've got someone to help fill that void. Yeah. On your roster, well, you, you're, you're playing three safeties on third downs, red zone now, anyways. Um, you know, they're, they're, Lou is a really talented defensive coordinator, so we'll we'll see a, a real role for Dax Hill, and in his speed, you know, anytime you put a guy with that kind of speed on the field, it just makes everybody look faster, and you know. We shouldn't overlook what Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt have done as third right. round picks. Oh, I mean, I think Logan Wilson had five Ooh. interceptions last year. Yeah. Like they, you know, they didn't overspend from, you know, th those positions off the ball inside linebacker. But like a lot of teams, you can find those players in the third round. You know, the way Fred Warner was yep. in San Francisco, you can find them and they can be really good every down players like they are. And so, um, you know, this defense showed you what they were all about. Second half against the Chiefs, um, what they did to Tennessee in Tennessee. Yes. Like, I think as, as a group, you know, because they were 10 and 7 during the regular season, and I don't think people were talking much about their defense. Yeah. But as a group, I got to believe that they've got a real swagger about what they accomplished yep. um, for much of the postseason last year. How, how they had to go on the road to Tennessee to do what they did, to hold on against the Raiders. Like they got a lot of postseason experience a year ago, which I think is really going to help. Yep. Really, kind of not just mold them even further, but give them a deeper belief that they can be an elite group this year. Yeah, I I think the Bengals are are here to stay for uh, 
for a while. Although eventually it'll be interesting to see what they do with that quarterback because the way quarterback contracts are structured nowadays, uh, Joe Burrow might be in line to be a $275 million or $300 million man. But Mike Brown's got time to figure that out, Baldy. You mentioned the Bengals' dominance over the Ravens last year, and those two butt kickings probably fueled their playoff push as much as anything because, remember, at one point the Ravens were 8-3, and three, and the one seed in the AFC at the time. This team, to me, Baldy, like, I think the propensity for variance with this team is off the charts. Like, if you told me, okay, it really was just injuries last year, and those dudes are coming back, and they've got a new uh, head of the training staff, and no way could they have that bad of luck again, and look what a quality franchise they are, and Lamar balling out in a contract year as we speak. He's still on the fifth-year option. And they go out and they look like the 2019 Ravens. I'd say, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. If you told me, hey, that injury with Dobbins is really bad and he's not really going to be right until December, and without him, the option game is going to look mundane like it did last year, and if you tell me every win and loss is going to be magnified because the quarterback doesn't have an extension yet and that's going to wear on everybody and it's going to be the the, 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 the the largest talking point with this season, with this team every quarter of every game, and that's going to wear him down, if you tell me, you know, Mike McDaniel isn't, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mike McDonald isn't Wink Martindale, right? And they still don't have enough pass rush. And doubling down on all those corners and safeties doesn't mean anything if you can't get to the quarterback. Um, And, you know, and and Marcus Peters ain't the same, and Marlon Humphrey ain't the same. Like, And the injured guys aren't – and you tell me they got a higher first-round pick next year than they did this year. Like, I could also – like, I could see that. Like, I don't think that's a crazy scenario. Oh, and you could tell me Ronnie Stanley's a all pro. You could tell me Ronnie Stanley's never going to play football at a high level again. Okay. Yeah. Like, both of those are possible. Like, I, I just think this is a feast or famine type team. Well, they have to play a certain way, Jason. You know, they are a run first team, they're a run last team. I mean, they are, that's the way they move the football. That's the way. They win games with Lamar being, you know, just this uh, this superstar at that position. And whether it's a cold pass and it's a scramble run or whether it's the run game, I mean, they're built to run the football. Morgan Moses coming in at right tackle and Zeitler's still there at right guard. And I don't know, with Gus Edwards or Justice Hill or whenever J.K. is healthy, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of who they are and that's who they have to be. Um, we, we saw that when they weren't that team – where they were just a dominant run team a year ago, the struggles that they had. And that doesn't matter if, you know, Marquise Brown is gone. Like the receiving core, they draft receivers every year. Um, They did, again, um, you know, uh, last year, you know, getting Rashad Bateman in the group. So the receiving core, like they can't just – it can't just be Mark Andrews anymore. There was a period last year where six straight interceptions that Lamar threw – well, all, all were targets to Mark Andrews. Yep. Now, you could say, okay, you know, there was some unfortunate thing. Ball got tipped. Uh, somebody slipped. All that stuff is true. But the ball's going to Mark Andrews when they need a play. And he is an elite player uh, and has been. And he's got a great connection with, with Lamar. But who we have never really seen somebody else just become the outside guy that you need or the slot receiver yep. that you need, that you got to have. And, you know, whether it's, 
you know, I, I you know, I, I don't know whether it's Devin Duvernay or Prochet or what they're going to do with Bateman. I mean, I they've got to find some way. And I've and I would have been a proponent of this even going back to 2018, Jason. That they've got to find a way, even when they're running for 250 yards against Cincinnati. You know, pick a team that they just yeah. you know just ran the ball down the throats on. Like they got to find a way to get better in the passing game during the season because it's been their Achilles heel in the postseason. And so they, they've got to work on it during the season to get better at it. And so that, that to me, they, they've got to find a way to kind of balance it up. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll, if Lamar's healthy and any of these backs are good, that they'll probably lead the league in rushing this year. Like it's probably a pretty good chance that you could make that wager and you'd win. But okay, you know that what has that gotten them in the postseason? It hasn't. So, and then defensively, like you know, they drafted all these players. I mean, you know, like yeah, it was an unbelievable. I mean, they had six fourth round picks, and a lot of these guys used them all players. Yeah. So you know, how quickly can Kyle Hamilton and Linderbaum and Ojabo, like how quickly can they get integrated into this team? Like I have a feeling it's going to be pretty quickly. So, you know, and then what's the learning curve for any of them or all of them? Yeah, they're to me, they're they're a fascinating team. Um, and Lamar is a unique guy. And that this this whole situation, um, again, unresolved as we speak right now. Uh, I just. Once you get a quarterback to a franchise tag, it, it, it generally it isn't a good thing game. for the team, Baldy. Like it even Dallas, that they kept Dak. It, it cost them about six and a half million dollars a year more than it would have had they gotten it done previously, you know, before yeah, they yeah. had to get the tag involved. Like it's, well, it's, I mean, look, it's, I mean, a, it's a, it's a tricky wicket. Uh, the one team that, you know, has maintained its competitiveness with the quarterback is Kansas city, but they have drafted exceptionally well, Yeah, you know? And so, and they're very, very well coached. I mean, Seattle has never recovered from paying Russell Wilson, what Russell Wilson did. Yeah. They've never been able to build a defense after that, you know, and and then the, the Legion of Boom retired and moved on, all that stuff. So it is a challenge for all these teams um, once you have to pay that type of player. The Steelers for years had to pay that type of player and Ben Roethlisberger, um, who, I mean, kept them in playoff contention. Pretty much every year he was in the league, and we know Mike Tomlin never had a losing season yet. Some thought last year would be it. They they managed to stave that off, go nine seven and one, um, send Ben Roethlisberger out on something of a high note. But the offense has been an issue for years. The defense, obviously, one of the best in the NFL. They draft Kenny Pickett from literally their practice facility because Pitt mm-hmm. practices where they do in the first round. They have Mitch Trubisky there. I don't know about you, Baldy. I think Trubisky's going to end up starting some games there. I think they'll use Trubisky to implement this new offense that, yeah, Matt Canada was there last year, but he wasn't really running his offense. Let Trubisky play around with the mesh point. Let Trubisky play early while they try to figure out, is this offensive line really any better than what we've been putting out there the last few years? I don't know that they're going to be in any sort of rush to get Kenny Pickett out there week one. I don't think so either. I mean, I don't know if there's a real competition there between Trubisky and Pickett. Um, you know, the, it, you, 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 you can listen to all of the lip service that can be said about that position right now. But really, it, it's all about 
you know, who's getting reps with the number one offense, you know, and who's getting the reps with the twos. I mean, yeah. if it's Trubisky out there, first preseason game, uh, they're not scrimmaging anybody this year, just talk to people in Pittsburgh. So they're going back to Latrobe for the first time in three years, um, you know, after staying at Heinz, yeah. you know, at their facility. So maybe that's a good thing, you know, to kind of rebuild this thing without Ben. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's been their summer home for over 50 years. So, but, you know, you can always kind of tell if there's a real competition or not by because there's just limited reps with the first-team offense. And so, you know, they, they the passing game was poor last year. The running game, I believe, in Najee Harris, I think he's uh, can be an elite back, but Agreed. he didn't look like that much last year. Like, they played Kendrick Green at center most of the season. He did not look like an answer. Uh, Hassenhauer was a better player. But they they got to get better up front. They brought in James Daniels and Mason Cole. I don't know. They're they're undersized guys. Yeah. Like I don't know that this is an elite group. And in fact, I know it isn't. Yeah. Uh, you damn Moore has to take a step up. Like they don't look like they're great up front right now. No. And that's just not the mark of a of a good Steeler team. So <clears throat> that's where to me my eyes are and where my focus is is like how are they going to patch this thing together. And how are they going to get better up front? I, they, they made a change in the front office. And so I have a friend of mine that's gone there. And I was just like, you guys, like your whole emphasis this season, whether it's the wire, whether it's trades, whether it's free agency, the draft next year, is they've got to, they've got to build up their offensive line. Yes. And that's the biggest weakness on this team right now. How much of that can be offset, though, from them at least having the element of surprise? They were as predictable an offense yes. as you could have seen because we know Ben couldn't move. You know what I mean? Like, the ball's coming out in two seconds. It's going between five and seven yards downfield. We yeah. probably have a pretty good idea who it's going to. Yeah. you know, Or they're going to see if Najee Harris can shed a tackle because he's hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage and turn it into a three-yard gain. Like, they've gone from that to at least now the element of, Trubisky might hold it. He might pitch it. We'll play around with the mesh point. We'll make you defend the quarterback as an athlete in the run game a little bit. How much can that help them? Well, it, it can. I mean, it's been, it was Groundhog Day last year. I mean, it was just hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, I was in Green Bay last year, and, I mean, they get to third down, and they was you might as well just had a three-down series and just punted yeah. after second down. They couldn't convert a third down. And you're right. It was highly predictable. They were throwing go routes on the outside. Claypool was invisible for much yeah, of the yeah. year um, after a sensational rookie season. And so it was it was really hard to watch. And a credit to Tomlin that they were able to get to the postseason, but, um, you know, and win and have a winning record and all that kind of stuff. But it was it was very difficult to watch. So um, the, the, can Trubisky help them? Yes, he can. I, I want to see Mitch Trubisky play quarterback. Like, like I, I know he's a good athlete. He can run. He can make you defend the run. He can scramble. I want to see him play quarterback. He wasn't a good quarterback in Chicago. He didn't – I don't know what he was looking at a lot of days yeah. in situations. And can he see – not just read defense. Can he know where to go pre-snap, after the snap? Like, I, I, I don't know – how how he processes information. Didn't play a lot of college football. Yeah. Um, thrown in there in Chicago in a system where Nagy did placate him to some of his mm -hmm. strengths. Um, so, but, he, you know, he was hurt 
in large part because he did scramble and he did run and he did take shots that knocked him out and made him miss games and did, you know, cause injury. So like, that's like, that's not what you want. I want to see him play quarterback. And I think Kenny Pickett has an opportunity to do that. It won't surprise me to see him on the field this year. Right. Right. No, I'm with you. I, I just don't think it comes necessarily in the first four to six weeks of the season as they try to figure out what this thing could look like with a veteran quarterback, given how good that defense is. Vegas has them pegged at seven and a half wins, Baldy. Um, how confident are you that Mike Tomlin continues his run of at least non-losing seasons? I think, you know, he might have to do his best coaching job in order to get there because defensively, you know, I, I – Look, I mean, you could talk about T.J. Watt and you could, you know, talk about Cam Hayward and all those guys are tremendous players. Um, they looked like they had depth issues on the defensive uh-huh. line last year when they had injuries to, to it and Alu-Alu and, and they had problems. They've had problems at linebacker, especially inside linebacker. So, uh, you know, they, I got to see. I got to see how this defense looks. I mean, I, I, they've got some star power there, but I'm not sure that they're a defense. They can take the ball away. Mm-hmm. You know, they can stop you on third downs right now. Uh, so I want to, you know, they, they, they've got some new pieces there. Witherspoon comes in and Levi Wallace comes in and we'll see how they hold up in the corner. Um, but this is going to be a challenge, I think, for Mike Tomlin. I, I know he's a great motivator. Um the players respond to him. He knows how to coach his team, and I got a lot of respect for it. So, out of respect for Mike Tomlin, yeah, I'll say that they'll get to nine wins, but it, it might take his best effort to do it. Yeah, um, they are yet another very intriguing team in this in this uh, in this division. We have saved the Browns for last, Baldy. I, I don't look. I mean, again, as we speak, yeah, there is no no clarity about. Deshaun Watson's situation whatsoever and how much or how little or if he'll be playing at all this season. Um, it's it's a highly unusual situation. It was a highly unusual trade. It was a highly unusual contract. Um, they they have a payroll that's up there with the 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 Rams and the Bucks. You know, this is an owner who's, you know, over $275 million in payroll against a $208 million cap. Um, they are clearly, they think they're in it to win it, but they ain't winning much with Jacoby Brissett, I no. don't think. Um, and it's a hard way to kind of operate, you navigate and operate your team through a training camp where at some point they'll know what's in store for Watson. But like, how much do you play him in the preseason if he suspended half the year? You got to get Jacoby Brissett ready to play. Oh yeah, but this guy's never been in the system before either, and doesn't really know any of these guys. And like, I, I think Kevin Stefanski's got quite a needle to thread. I do too. Look, I mean, I don't. You, you know, there's there's no playbook to read and how to handle this. They're all waiting on the decision right now. I don't have any inkling as to what the commissioner um, is is going to do in this situation. I know this that. You know, bringing Amari Cooper in upgraded the uh, the wide receiver yes, core, but it might not make any difference if Jacoby Brissett right. is the he ain't putting it sixty yards downfield. It's not happening. So you know, like if you look at the timeline, okay, they went and made the trade for Deshaun Watson, and I believe you know, and they gave him the guaranteed contract and all that, and all that is questionable as well. 
But, you know, it was the next day, I think they signed Jacoby Brissett. So, you know, you, you signed Jacoby Brissett to be a backup quarterback, yeah. which is what he is. He's 14 and 23 as a starter. He's on his fourth team in seven years. I'm not here to say Jacoby Brissett can't win games uh, if he's the starter for half the season or the full season. Who knows? But if you're Amari Cooper, like, that's that's not what you want. Like, no. he's going to be frustrated. Right. Uh, they, yes, they've got the elite running backs. we got to see if Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills come yep. back healthy. Um, so I don't know that two years ago they had as good an offense line as it was in football. I don't know that they are going to be that right now. Like, this, there's, there's just so many question marks right now that you can't help but put them at fourth. And, like, how competitive are they going to be? We saw them last year, largely the same roster, with a quarterback that was injured and not very good. Yeah. And they couldn't win games, you know. And so they struggle to win games. The defense has a lot of star power. They've got a lot of playmakers. Um, I got to see what they look like on the inside at defensive tackle because it looks like a real weakness to me. Um, I know the secondary uh, has got a lot of good players. Yeah. And Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett. But, you know, even Miles Garrett, like as good as he is, and you can watch all the videos of just what kind of athlete he is and all that stuff. But there is a moment when Miles Garrett is going to have to understand, because I played with Reggie White. I played with guy Bruce Smith. I played with right. guys that knew how to take games over. You're in Baltimore. You've watched guys take games yes. over. Like to me, Miles Garrett can go out there and, be a dominant player and hit the quarterback 35 times and get 18 sacks. But I'm waiting for him to take a game over. You know, they, they were in a, a shootout against the Chargers last year and they lost. And, you know, it was it was waiting. You know, he's going up against Rashawn Slater. He's a good player. I was waiting for Miles Garrett to close the game out. Right. He, he couldn't do it. And so that's what's the next step for Miles Garrett. I, I respect Miles Garrett. He's a great talent. Maybe as talented as any player at that position in the league. But there is also a time when you have to know what the balance of the game is, and this is when I got to show up. It's what Aaron Donald did at the end of the game. It's what Von Miller's made a uh, you know a career yeah. out of. Like these guys, no matter what they've done all game or a stretch of games, they got a game that's in the balance. You got to go close it out, and that's what Miles Garrett's got to learn how to do. Yeah, I, I also just worry about Baldy. the human element in this as well. Like Deshaun mm -hmm. Watson is there because the owner threw enough money at him to where he said, okay, I'll, I'll go somewhere that I had already, that I already, you know, said was out like only the owner can authorize and push through a contract and a trade like that. But the owners don't talk well, except for Jerry Jones. Cause you know, he has roster control. He's the de facto GM, but they don't talk after games. They don't talk after losses. They don't talk at the roster cut down. They don't talk at the trade deadline. Other people are going to have to wear this, right? And there's also the, this element of, let's say Deshaun Watson misses eight or 12 games. He comes back and he just ain't that good. He hasn't played football in a while, right? He's kind of, he's, he's now a heel instead of everybody's champion. He's got stadiums, including his home stadium with a, with a, at least a contingent of fans booing him the moment he walks out. Like maybe that just doesn't work for him. Like 
Jimmy Haslam's not going to have to wear that every week or when he talks to the media well, I mean, four times a week like the head coach, but, right? Like the GM and the and the and the coach who were facilitators. Well, at best. I mean, have they're going to have to wear it. But all you have to do is go back to the original press conference when they announced Deshaun Watson. I mean, Jimmy Haslam wasn't at the podium. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, Andrew Barry and, and Kevin Stefanski had to sit there and kind of gut it out. Yeah. You know, and just deflect all the questions that they did. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it, there is a stink that is now around this organization. And I don't know, like I was here, you know, with Mike Vick in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was tough. That was tough. That was tough on a lot of people, a lot of fan bases. Um, Andy Reid was able to get it, you know, to handle it. Howie Roseman was able to get the deal done. It turned out that they were able to get through it, but it wasn't easy. This is worse in oh. some ways. I, I don't want to compare the two. Uh, I really don't. But uh, but this this is going to be tough. This could be tough um, for the fan base and for the team. It, they're going to deal with it every day. It's, it is it, it is certainly going to wear a good part of this franchise out. And, and look, the, the the thing with with Vic, it was you know it was like three teams. Right. The Eagles and the Bengals in the lead, quietly negotiating with him. It wasn't this free for all frenzy. You know what I mean? Mike Vick came in on a no frills contract right. trying to right with, with a lot of contrition, right? Contract. Trying to be a better man. This guy got his contract structured in a way that he gets all the money, but risks none of it when he gets suspended. Like there is just a there's a seedy, there's a grotesque element to this from a business of football standpoint that just wasn't there for Mike Vick. You know what I mean? Like if Mike Vick didn't work out, it it, it wasn't going to be something that I thought was going to undermine Andy Reed's career. You know what I mean? Or run him out of town. If this doesn't work out, everybody's getting run out of town. Right. That's Except true. The owner. I don't know that they were bidding against anybody else, but themselves, you know, um, to get when they that got type. to that level, I, they, they, they weren't right. So, like so, but they have to live with all of this, and you're right. I mean, it's it's uh, you know they're all going to wait on this decision, and um, you know I have I have a feeling that this decision is going to be pretty harsh here, Jace. So uh, so Jacoby Brissett, like you know, it's one thing Jacoby Brissett has basically been the backup everywhere he's been, starting in New England when he got a chance when Brady was suspended to start, you know, but he, he got hurt, you know, and so. Everywhere he's been, he's been the backup. He's never said – he's never gone to the season where he's a starter. And it's a lot different coming off the bench and being the backup than it is going out there and being the starter. And I I don't think that he's going to elevate his game um, from where he's been just because, you know, he's the announced starter week one because he has to be. Yeah, th- this is um... – this is quite a chapter in Brown's history, quite a chapter in NFL history. Yeah. Um, and, and we will uh, obviously, I don't think this is the last time we'll be talking about Deshaun Watson on this podcast. Well, wants to, you know, the thing is, Jason, nobody wants to talk about it. No. Everybody knows that, you know, this is what we do. We have to. But nobody really wants to talk about it. Nobody thinks like this looks good on any level. Um, you know, and so I don't know how. It's, it, I don't know how they make it work. I think it's just going to be very, very difficult, um, especially when you look at what Patrick Mahomes is, what Josh Allen is, what Matt Stafford is. Like, they're, 
They just have this impeccable exterior to them, not just how they conduct their lives, but how they right. run the locker room. Right. Like they're large and in charge um, in those places, Dak and Dallas. I mean, impeccable. Like, you know, the history of this game, you know, those quarterbacks that won championships, that's who they were. And, you know, the leadership is the leadership more than just, you know, engineering a fourth quarter drive. It's way more than that. And the people that build winning franchises with winning organizations do it with winning people that are not going through what Deshaun Watson is going through right now. Well said, Baldy. It's tough. It's, um, tough. it's just hard. It's just hard. Yeah. And we're all going to have to, you know, when he gets on the field, discuss his. Yeah. But it's just, it's hard to, you know, it's just hard to, to separate, you know, no. what we have yep. been reading about for the last six months. Yep. No, it is. Uh, it's all intertwined. You, you can't. There is no. There, it's impossible to separate. Um, they, they, they didn't sign a quarterback. They signed a human being, and that comes yeah. with um, a whole lot, uh, a, a, a whole lot um, of baggage in this, in this instance. Well, this has been our AFC North preview, um, a division with no shortage of of subplots and. Right. Uh, and plenty of quarterback intrigue. We didn't even we didn't even touch on the whole Baker Mayfield thing, but uh, we'll get to him in the NFC South uh, when we get there. At this point, we thank you guys as always for listening. Please subscribe, um, follow us, rate and review us wherever you get your podcast on the Odyssey app, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. We will be with you throughout the NFL season. As always, you can check us out on Twitter at Jason Lock and Fora at Baldy NFL. And we will talk to you soon as we continue to break down every division in the NFL this summer to get you prepared for training camp and beyond. Thanks again, and we will shout at you guys soon.